Hello friends, it's Kirk Kenderson, and I'm joined today by Lucas Q for our Summer League edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Luke, how are you? Great, great. Enjoying the Vegas heat. So, I'm taking a page from some of the NFL uh, reporters as one of us got credentialed and uh, one of us couldn't get credentialed, but I still wanted to talk to Luke, who took my advice, as more of you should, and show up to Summer League. So Luke and I are out here watching some of the very, like, the the basketball-like substance, and we wanted to to podcast, but I couldn't find a quiet spot in the UNLV uh, Thomas and Mac or in the Cox Pavilion. So we're actually sitting in my car, burning gasoline and pumping out air conditioning. So the audio quality is probably going to be a little worse than normal. I'm sorry for that. But I really did want to talk to Luke, um, you know, and and see what, you know, get his thoughts on a number of different things. So the the first thing that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, and I know in the pre-show you told me you weren't really caught up to speed, but Mirren Fader's book about Giannis Antetokounmpo is out, and in it are a lot of sections about Jason Kidd's coaching. And they are... Trying to, I don't want to get too hyperbolic, but you know, the really bad <laughs> is kind of the thing. It's like very much like Bobby Knight era style basketball coaching. He made them practice on Christmas. He was, you know, really, really terrible to a number of Bucks players, um, including Larry Sanders, who he put in harm's way uh, in a couple of times, and and really, really kind of just. It's just alarming, and and the thing about about the the stuff with Jason Kidd is, all of these things are known in NBA circles. I had been told about a lot of this stuff, you know, going back to last summer. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, of people that have left the Bucks organization that have kind of talked about this, but nobody really is going on the record until you see some of these interviews with Mirren Fader, where like Zaza Pachulia is just like, this is what happened. And it's not, you know, it's coming straight from NBA players' mouths, and they're, they're not necessarily trying to bury kid. They're just saying this is what happened. And it, it gives me a little bit of cause for alarm about what, uh, you know, what we might be seeing with Jason. Because, again, the, this Mavericks team is a little bit young. And, and I just, you know, they, they moved on from Rick Carlisle in no small part because Luca was tired of Rick's shit. So, so I just I don't really understand how this Jason Kidd hire is supposed to work unless he's a very different coach than what he was with Milwaukee. So what do you think, Luke? Yeah, I think, I mean, all you can really hope for, we have to hope that he's changed, that he's different than he was at that point in time, even though that wasn't that long. I think the concerning thing for me is that it wasn't that long ago. You know, we're not talking about 20 years ago. Um, and so... I, I, I think I have to hope that the Mavs brass has evidence and proof that he has changed and that right. he is a different coach than he was before right. and a different person than he was before. Um, my biggest fear is that they're taking a blind stab at it. Yeah. And Luca is clearly not the type of player or personality that's going to respond well to that, nor are most people or humans in general. <laughs> right. So it's it's... I just, it, I'm kind of putting blind faith in the Mavs brass because I don't have another choice. Yes, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's how I feel about I it. I mean, it strikes me as the kind of thing to where, like, Luca and, and our Slovenian fans are very opinionated on this, and I really like these takes, where Luca needs a firm coach. Luca does not need a hard ass, but he does not, also doesn't, you know, need, like, kind of a psychopath. And and the stuff that, that's in, in, in Fader's book 
is really damning. It's just it's not the sort of thing you see from modern NBA coaching in any way, shape, or form. Even from Rick, who is by all accounts kind of pain in the ass to deal with and very gruff and very blunt and sometimes not very nice either. But it's just a completely different scale. But you know that's kind of where we are with that piece of news. There's not really anything to do with it. Um, you know we may write on it and cover it a little bit more in Mavs Moneyball. But the the kind of bottom line that that you know some fans have told me about is like they just don't want to talk about kid anymore because there's nothing we can do and i understand that and but i did want to bring it up because it was kind of it was newsworthy again um well let's talk about you know sort of what we're here for um you and i both arrived yesterday and because this is your first time you have essentially been watching basketball for like 15 of the last like 24 hours so let's talk a little bit about uh, a summer league so far and and what you think yeah it's i mean it's I would describe it as a basketball conference pretty much. <laughs> it's uh everywhere. I mean, you're seeing NBA TV guys in the bathrooms and it's like you just you're just running into everyone everywhere. Um you know, you're watching a game and then Wendell Carter Jr. walks right by you. Oh wow. And like yeah, that was fun. Um and then he daps up Daniel Gafford in front of you. It's just there's just a constant flow of basketball activity going on which for a junkie is exhilarating yeah um the basketball itself earlier you described it as a basketball like product (laughs) and that is really really accurate it's not it's like knockoff basketball yeah and there isn't like they almost shouldn't even have a scoreboard because the score doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything yeah um i mean cade cunningham had seven fouls yesterday Mm -hmm. it's like none of that stuff really means anything you just you try to find you try to find the two percent that you can take away, and then run with that. I love that. Um, with what you so so one of you talked about a number of things which I think are fun. So I encourage lots of people to come come to this because if you're listening to a podcast in the middle of summer, you're the kind of hardcore basketball fan that this product is aimed at. Um, first, you know the the tickets are. I don't want to necessarily call them affordable. They're like fifty dollars, but they're fifty dollars for like all day. Basketball starts at noon and goes until eleven. And there's two games on at all times. There's one in the big gym, one in the little gym. There's lots of stuff you can choose from. Where he talked, where, where Luke just talked about, you know, kind of seeing different people. There's very little barrier between fan and player and what's going on. Like there's still some areas you can't and aren't supposed to, but it's you know you you, you might see Rick Fox walking around. You might see like I, I think I might have saw Brandon Brandon Haywood earlier today. I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't have my glasses on. Um, it's it's just it's wild and it's really fun. Because everything kind of keeps moving to where if you're bored with one game, you can go to another game. Um, and then you can walk around and just kind of people watch. Like, you, you get to see one my favorite thing out here, and this, like, led to me, like, spending tons of money on shoes, was the first summer I came out here, I just became obsessed with basketball sneakers. And you see some really cool stuff walking around. This year, it's a little bit subdued, I'm not going to lie, just because of COVID. Um there's not near as many people as there usually are, but as Luke has taken full advantage, you showed up to the first game today and we're essentially, what do you think you are, like 10 rows back from the court? Yeah, I counted. I'm in <laughs> row 10, um, which was general admission. So I was in the front row of general admission and sitting right at midcourt. I mean, it's it was it's it's great seating and yeah. you you can see you know the expressions on their faces it's really intimate yeah um you can i mean i could hear everything jordan Warro was saying that's wild and i mean it's it is it's crazy and like like you were talking about it's it's a little tough with the masks to yeah. tell who's who sometimes um but i mean 
I'm pretty sure Steve Smith was grabbing almonds right by me yesterday <laughs> night. Um, it, it really just humanizes the entire basketball experience. And it's it's just it's like being at a AAU tournament, yeah. except it's the NBA, yeah. instead of you know high school. And so if if you're thinking about going, what I advise you to do is is grab some friends, come out here with like three or four people. You know, f- don't necessarily do like five days out here. You want to do like three to four max because Vegas is a lot, as as Luke has found out. There things are a little more expensive than is. It's just kind of annoying after a couple of days. Um, but the, the, it's really fun to people watch and walk around and sightsee, particularly if you've never been to Vegas at all. Um, and, and, you know, you throw in the basketball, you can kind of turn it into a nice little vacation. If you were to do like two days, just full basketball, then two days hanging out. It's, it's a, it's a great time. Um, now, because I somehow begged you into covering the first summer league game, which I was going to bring you on the other night and talk about it, but you know, we were just doing so much stuff and it's summertime and no one, you know, if no one really cares, we don't get a podcast up about the summer league recap. What did you think of the Mavericks first foray into this basketball like substance? So, um, they, it was not the first summer league game I'd watched this year. It was, but being the first Mavs summer league game, it was quite horrifying. Um, I thought the Mavs were honestly the worst summer league team I had seen uh, thus far. And no hyperbole, not because I'm a bitter fan, which is true. I am a bitter fan, but it was, it was the the amount of potential NBA players on the Mavs summer league roster is shockingly low. How many even you think? for summer league? How many do you think for real? Because I, I, this is what I want to get into with this. I, if you're counting Josh Green. I think three max. Okay, who are the other two? Um, Tyrell, Terry. Okay, you think he's an NBA player? I do think he's an NBA player. And then um, I'm blanking on the name. Um, Second second leading scorer. We got the roster right here. Um, Oh, Eugene Amarui. Okay, that's very interesting. So so let's, like, work backwards with who, who. So you don't have Nate Hinton in that group. So Nate, Nate startled me a little bit. <laughs> startled? Let's why? I I love Nate. Um, I got a chance to interview him oh, right after right. he got signed. That was a good piece. Um, so I'm I'm biased towards Nate, and even I'm a little worried about how his future is looking in the NBA. Um, he didn't do a lot of the things I expected him to do. He didn't get out and run in transition really. Um, we know he can't shoot, so that wasn't a surprise, but he didn't impact the games in the other ways that I was expecting him to. Um, now, it was one game, first summer league game. It's hot in Vegas. Right. Who knows? I mean, it. I we could come out after this next game and Nate Hinton could have 10-10 and 10 and look really good. See, I just find it really interesting that he doesn't look good because you're not the first person I've heard say this about him, and... He was a rebounding machine in college, and rebounding seemed to drive a lot of his other production. And he kind of looked good, good enough in the garbage time with the Mavericks. But then someone pointed out to me, it's like, well, anybody can look good in garbage time if you're basically taking most of the shots and diving after all the boards. Where it's like, are you getting teammates involved? Are you really running the team? And he, you know, with Terry, that seems to be Tyrell Terry's role. So he, you know, where he goes from here is very interesting. 
Because, I mean, the Mavs signed him to a two-way. They chose him over Tyler Bay, or maybe Tyler Bay, you know, wanted something different, and they, the Mavs just kind of mutually agreed to part ways. We'll, we'll probably never know because it's such a kind of minor-level transaction. But that's that's really interesting to me because I had, I, I had hopes for, for, uh, for Hinton, but the one thing I always tell Dalton and a lot of people who, you know, just, like, really love to get attached, play, attached to some of these guys, like, a lot of them are just, most of them are never going to make the roster. Like, that's what makes Dorian Finney-Smith such a success story is he was both mm-hmm. undrafted and he was remarkably bad. I should go look <laughs> at his summer league stats. Like, he was shooting in the low 30s out here for, like, three straight summers and then all of a sudden just turned into a good NBA player. And I think what we do as fans, we tend to uh, grasp onto the outliers as the norm. And that's just not going to be the case with a guy with most of these players. Right, and I think with with Nate, it's interesting too because his biggest value honestly comes not even on the court. I mean, right. he's he's the towel waver and he's the energy guy on the bench. Um, he's always the first one up after a big play, and that's what I really love about him because I think each team needs those guys, and I think those guys actually bring a lot of value, especially when you're trying to find energy on a Tuesday night in February. Right. So that's where I. I hope Nate can find a way to stay on the roster because of that. I wouldn't expect him to ever get rotation minutes um, unless where he can really make his money is getting out, grabbing the rebound, and pushing it in transition. He didn't do a lot of that in game one. I'm hoping he does more of that in game two because in the half court, he's pretty much a zero. Okay, that's really something. So then let's let's maybe move on to to you know the, the closest thing we have to a star of Summer League and Tyrell Terry. And he put up, I want to say he had 22 points, three assists, but he also had five turnovers. What His his box score stats look good, but everyone seemed to be very ugh, on him. What, what was your takeaway? So Tyrell's box score looked good because of the last like six or so minutes. Oh, it did he was, start hitting? He got hot. I think he made all three of his threes in the final couple minutes. Okay. Um, he was pretty bad for the first half and even the first three quarters. What I liked from Tyrell, though, he looked stronger. Okay. He made a couple plays. He had a couple plays. I think these were actually in the first half when he wasn't even looking good all in all. In all. He had a couple plays where he drove and got bigger defenders off of him using his body and kind of hung and did that little drag step, hang in the air, finish over a taller defender. Okay. Which, for a guy his size, he has to be able to do. Okay. So, I'm not I'm not concerned. The jumper's good. I'm not... He could go 0 for 6 or 6 for 6 in tonight's game, and that's not going to change how I feel about him. Are these shots for him, like... Do we envision him as more of a pull-up shooter or a catch-and-shoot guy? Because the the Mavs, if you remember, you know, Donnie Nelson for some reason sold him as like a Seth Curry replacement, which was patently ridiculous at the time. But Curry was both a catch-and-shoot guy and has developed a nice off-the-dribble game. Like, what what do you think about his shot and kind of the role if you were to like envision him getting, you know, ninth man minutes for the Mavericks? I so. It's inter- I do envision him in the Seth Curry type of role on, okay. a, on a smaller scale. I think he is. I think he's better off the ball. I would love to see the Mavs use him, curling off screens, stuff like that. He gets his balance 
right really quick. Okay. Which um, that's hard to do. It's like, hard that's to a do. Skill. Yeah, and it's really it really is impressive for someone his age and his size to get the balance that he has on his jumpers when he's moving and you can his legs can be all wonky but his shoulders are always squared up and that's something that I think will translate beyond just a hot stretch okay I think that's legit shooting ability um I I don't think he's he's gonna be the type of guy I mean with Luca he's never I mean he's never gonna have to be a guy that can create with Luca on the floor right if he can be a secondary creator where if Luca breaks down the defense, kicks it to Tyrell, and then Tyrell can make a play off of that, that's also where I think his value can be. Okay. I think, like you said, the ninth man, that's his ceiling for this year. I mean he's probably. Still, yeah. I mean he, like we're looking at the box or at the at the roster and it says he's six two and hundred and seventy pounds, and I just don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that either. No. It's going to be real hard for a guy. Like, he, he has to have an absolute A-plus level skill to ever get more than spot minutes in an NBA level game. He's just so small. And I think I think spot-up shooting is where he can have that A-plus skill. Um, he His release is quick also. He can catch it in the shooting pocket and let it go right away. I hope some sometimes when you're a summer league star – you get the ball put in your hands a lot. A lot. Yeah, particularly these guards. Yeah, and that's it's it's nice, but it's also not mimicking what they're going to do in the real NBA. Yep. Which is where I I actually that going back to Nate now, I want to see Nate bringing the ball up more mm-hmm. and have Tyrell play off of him because Tyrell's going to be playing off the ball in real game right. situations. Interesting. Okay. Well, now the last person who's the last guy, EJ, or is it Eugene? Uh, Eugene. Amarui. You think Eugene Amarui, the six-six guy out of Oregon? Okay, talk to me more about him because that's kind. He's kind of an older player at this point. He's like twenty-four. He's older, and he's also a little older school. I could be dead wrong about this one, but there was just something about him in the first Mavs game. I mean, the film I've crushed on Eugene Amarui outside of the one Mavs summer league game is almost non-existent. So I'm not going <laughs> to take like, this but one. But you like the one game. I like the one game. I like what he did. He finished around the basket nicely. He just he looked like he belonged. He okay. passed the eye test, and that's I mean that's when you're grasping for straws at summer league. That's something. Okay, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Okay, so we've been on here. We've been talking about, I don't know, between 15 and 20 minutes. I think, so So what, you know, the, there's going to be like kind of a haphazard podcast schedule. I, uh, you know, will try to lead a locker room at one point, but I keep getting like terrible internet, so Lord knows what's going to happen. I'm going on Tim Cato's podcast today, the 77 Minutes in Heaven podcast, which I have sassed him mercilessly about having a terrible podcast name. Uh, I do think that Luke, myself, and Doyle Raider are going to try to get together at some point. Uh, or we'll see though. It, it's it's a little bit difficult because we are out here to cover basketball, but we're also out here to have a good time and you know meet people and visit with friends. So sometimes the timing doesn't work out the way we want it to. Uh, this podcast will go up Wednesday, probably before the the Utah game. We'll talk about the Utah game at some point, even if it's you know something where we do like a dial in if we can't all be together in the same place. We'll do something. Um, but this has been fun. Do you have anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I have to get off. I have to fire something off really quick. Ooh. Um, unless there's something that we don't know about that's going on that's serious, and I hope there isn't, uh, Josh Green not playing is inexcusable. 
I, I'm glad you brought him up. I didn't know how to talk about him. I, I really, you know, what it says to me is that they're concerned about him and his ability to play basketball in a higher level role. Yep. We didn't address the fact that in the, the G League bubble, he looked like crap. Yep. Um, and it, which is odd because when he's been on these NBA minutes and he's like the fifth guy out there, I thought he's been okay. Yeah, he, that's the, and that's where I was excited about the prospect of him mm-hmm. coming to summer league because I was excited sure. to see him playing at an NBA pace again. Um, and I just, I, I can't, I, I get that he's coming off of the. No, he played fourteen run. minutes. He should yeah. be playing. This is he, he should be playing, and he's here. That's yeah. the thing too. It's not like they couldn't get him here. He's here. He's going to be with the team. Um, it says something about their confidence level in him, and yeah. it's like they're hiding it, and yep. and you cannot hide in the NBA. And at that point, it's like when we have our other guys that we wanted. Uh, who's the dude Memphis drafted? We all loved my brains. Oh, Desmond Bain. Desmond Desmond Bain's putting up thirty in summer league games. Yep. It just makes the stuff look all the stupider because I was told by many people, it's like, oh well, the draft is a crapshoot, blah blah blah. Well, with the Mavericks, as we've seen for years, some of the stuff is a self fulfilling prophecy. If, where if you say they're going to be bad, well, then they're going to be bad. And it just it, it's frustrating. It's I, frustrating. I always say the draft, and this is actually, I'm going to pat myself on the back with this analogy <laughs> since we're in Vegas. Sure. I always think of the draft as blackjack where you're still, it's a luck game at the end of it. Right. But there are things you can do to dramatically increase your odds. Ooh. And if you play by the book and follow your gut when it's right, you're going to have a better chance of getting draft picks that turn out. I don't think it's purely luck like like you said we were all clamoring for Desmond Bain it felt like everyone knew like Desmond Bain seemed like the by the book pick yep. and he's good yep. he's he's a capable NBA player he would have been good and he would have been in the rotation Josh Green yep. is like hitting a 16 when the dealer's showing a 6 and, and maybe I, he'll like, still pan it's yeah. just we it, it's just it's it's not looking good the the mm-hmm. odds get longer the further away we move from from you know him being a 19 year old raw guy right. so yeah pretty soon he's going to be 24 so that's right Well, this has been fun. Uh, This has been Kirk and Luke with Mavs Moneyball After Dark, and we will talk to you as soon as we can. Peace.